Welcome to Willard Church of the Nazarene. We're glad you're here. We can't wait to share the service with you.
chapter 12. Today I told you I want to talk about prayer and, and in particular intercessory prayer. The, the gospel of Luke, where we're going to be in that, um, is an interesting one. It's out of all the gospels, the one that creates or, or, or records the most instances of Jesus' prayer life. It has the most examples of it. And we consistently get these little snapshots that show us what his prayer life looked like. Uh, Think about what the disciples experienced just hanging out with Jesus, right? Luke 5, 16 says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed, right? And not only did he withdraw often, he sometimes withdrew for long periods of time. Spend the night in prayer, right? Prayer was a big part of his life, and and they wanted to be like him. So one day when they saw him praying, they they asked him, right? Jesus, teach us to pray in Luke 11. And and, And Jesus gave them the example of the Lord's Prayer, an example of how they could pray, a template, if you will. As followers of Christ, there is the expectation that we will be people of prayer. And I believe that we do have a genuine desire to be those type of people, right? That desire is in here. I don't think any of us are satisfied with the short prayers that we pray at dinner, right? I don't think any of us are satisfied with those emergency flare prayers that we throw up when we get into trouble, Oh, Lord, save me. Oh, Lord, deliver me. Oh, oh Lord, help me. And then, and then when, when that goes away, we have no desire to be in prayer. I think we all want to be better in this area. And I know that God wants to develop in us a vibrant, thriving, robust prayer life, one like Jesus modeled. They saw that. They experienced that, right? They saw the connection of Jesus' prayer life to how he lived, right? 
They saw that that went hand in hand. The way he lived, it was connected exactly to that. And they were like, Jesus, teach us to pray. As I said, I think we all share that desire to be a person of prayer. But for many of us, that part of our life is just not activated or not activated well. I'm not a handy person. We were talking about that. Somebody was pointing that out today with me. Uh, During the pandemic, I think I got ambitious with some things and and maybe tried to take on some projects. And and lately, I don't know if you've noticed today, but I've been trying to tackle some some different things at our home. Um, There are some Saturday mornings where I wake up and uh, I'm like, today's the day, right? Today is the day that I'm going to take on this project that I've been putting off. You know, I, I woke up and I had the faith to take on that project. Uh, I felt God's blessing, his favor to try and tackle that. More than once, though, I started and I got into something and I quickly realized, oh no, it's more involved than what I thought, more than what I was just seeing there. And the more I dug into it, the bigger the project became. And before I knew it, um, I had a bunch of stuff all torn up. I don't know if you do that. I don't know if you've come to the place where you're like, "Uh uh-oh, I'm not going to be able to fix this. It's beyond me, right? So what do you do? You call on the professionals. You call on the people who know what they're doing, and and, uh, um, maybe you got a professional out there, but but what happened maybe when you did that? Oh, you found out it's going to be $6,000 to fix that thing. And you're like, I'm not willing to invest that kind of money into this project to get this thing fixed. And so what happens? That thing just stays there, right? That project remains undone. Things stay torn apart. And you just try and ignore it, right? You try to put it out of your mind. Um, It's there, but I don't know how to fix it. And the people who do know how to fix it, I'm not willing to invest that type of money or time into it. So I'm just going to avoid it. And, And I think that's how our prayer life can be sometimes, right? We're not quite sure what to do with it or how to fix it, or it seems like it's going to take a lot more effort than we're really willing to put into it. So maybe we just stick it over here and just avoid it. I know I should be doing something with it, right? But I'm just going to put it over here. I want to encourage you today. I want to challenge you today I I want us to have a culture of prayer in our church, a culture of it. I don't know if you know what I mean by culture. Sometimes on vacation, uh, we've done this where we used to stay, Adivy and I used to go at the Smiths and the Nadolis, and we used to stay in a hotel, and sometimes in those pools, we would get this thing going, or or sometimes the place that we stay at has a, a little pool. And one of the fun things to do is to get in that pool and get everybody moving in one direction around the outside of it, and you can create a whirlpool. You can, you can create some serious current that's going on. That current, if you stop moving in that direction, that current will drag you along. That's what I want. That's what I'm talking about, the culture of this church. I want us to be in that whirlpool. I want us to be moving all in the same direction, right? It doesn't work if, if we're moving partly in one direction or another. We all got to be moving in that same direction. And then I want people to jump in and be dragged in that direction for what God would have us to do. And in particular, that has to be how we do prayer. We've, we've got to be intercessors, people that do that. Prayer is uh, 
one of those areas we want to be all, all in together, moving in the same direction together. I, I want you to know that your prayer life can be rich. It can be big. It can be bold. It can be deep, right? I, I, wanna, I want you to know that there are different types of prayer, right? Different ways that you can approach the King of Kings. Man, praise. A, a prayer of praise, a prayer of adoration. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm driving my 2006 Dodge Charger down the road, and that check engine light is going off, and I'm like, God, I just thank you it's still running, right? No, but seriously, I, I just thank you that this thing runs, and this thing gets me where I'm going, and, and uh, you blessed me with it, right, Lord? Thank you. Uh, uh, if, if prayer was a house, there'd be all sorts of different rooms in it with different purposes. That's what, that's what prayer is. Think of that house. You've got the front room. You've got the kitchen. You've got the praise room. You've got the adoration room. You've got the supplication room. You've got the, the prayer of repentance room. The prayer of confession room, right? And hopefully one of those rooms that makes up your prayer life is this intercession room. It's got to be a big room, right? We, we, need to, we need to add on some additions if we're not praying all those different prayers, prayers of consecration, right? We've got to enlarge some rooms and, and make some more room for some things. Our, our prayer lives can be big, though. It can be a big house with lots of rooms. Intercession is where we go before God, right? On somebody else's behalf. And I just want to give you two practical ideas of what it looks like. And, and it can look like more than this. But I just want to challenge you with two views on this. The, the first is that, is that we stand in the gap and build walls. We stand in the gap and build walls. And the second one is we arrange appointments. We're, we're like an administrative type person arranging an appointment with this person and God. Those are two areas, I think, right? Um, I, I don't know if you've noticed it, but when, when I usually pray for the kids, I'll have them come up here, and I, and I pray for walls, right? I, I pray that God would protect them. I, I know the culture that they're going to be living in or live in. I know what the message of that culture is, right? I know the lies that the enemy used that is trying to get in those kids' heads. So we pray for walls of protection, right? That that would not make its way in there. That that would find no home in these young people, right? We pray for walls. But we also pray for an appointment. We, we pray that they would come to know Jesus, right? And give their life to them fully. We pray that God would meet with them and call them, even at a young age, Right? Lord, call these young ones. Show them that they can be used, even at a young age. This is what intercession looks like. Lord, uh, my brother is getting tested for cancer. Father, would you let that cancer go nowhere near him? Will you put up a wall of protection around him, right? Cancer is trying to come at them, but we pray that that would be thwarted. Or if they do have cancer, Father, would you meet with him? Would you meet with her? And would you just touch them and heal them? Remove this cancer from their lives, from their body, right? Or, or if somebody doesn't know Christ, Lord, would you, would you meet with them? Would you soften their hearts? Would you give them an opportunity to respond? 
That's what we're praying for when we're, when we're interceding. That's what it looks like, right? And I want us to get this. I want, to, I want you to see yourself and go, I'm an intercessor. That's who I am. That's a part of who I am, right? I will stand in the gap. I will go to God on your behalf and ask him to put up a wall for protection. Ask him to encourage you, to strengthen you, to remove this from your body. Whatever that might look like. Right? That's, that's why I said I love this. When somebody comes up here, go to them. Intercede for them. Go put your hands on them. Stand next to them. Right? If, if God lays somebody on your heart in here right now, like get up and go to them and just put your hand on them and pray for them. Approach the king with whatever requests that he lays on your hearts. Right? You can do this at any place, any time. We give you a prayer sheet every week, right? And we ask you to go home and pray for these things. And I give you names to add to it. And I wonder, does anybody add those names to it? Does anybody take that sheet home and intercede for brothers and sisters? Do we? We've been calling you to be a part of this on Friday nights during this 24 hours of prayer. It's an opportunity to intercede a special time, right? And I'm desperate for you guys to join in. Desperate. I don't want to see three names on a sheet of people that came out, right? We do it on Sunday nights. We gather together. We've got a band app. We give you opportunities to pray for each other, right? Find one of them and be a part of that. I know some of you have tried. And you probably hit a wall with that and it just didn't seem like it was working and so you just maybe gave up. But will you recommit to that? Or will you add that room to your prayer house and start that, right? Can I show you an amazing picture of what this looks like in the Bible? Um, if, if you guys just put this scripture up there, Acts 12. I know I didn't give you a sheet and I forgot to do that. But Acts chapter 12, if you can just show this, then you can just, that, that's good for that. But would you stand with me in honor of God's word? I love this picture. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with the approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison. But the church was what? Earnestly praying, right, to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. 
He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where what where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and this servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. When's the last time you were astonished? Peter motioned with his hands for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said. And then he left for another place. You can be seated. James has been killed. Right? That's how it starts off. Peter's now arrested, awaiting trial, and the church gathers. And they earnestly pray. They were interceding. Lord, the government is coming against our brother Peter. It seeks to kill him. Father, would you put a wall of protection up around him and prevent that? Would you thwart the enemy's attacks, right? And not only that, but would you meet with him and set him free, right? This is what I want for our church. This is the culture that we have to have, right? We're, we're seeing the benefits of just a few people praying, but what if the majority of us were what if the majority of us were, were gathering together, right? Man, what, what if, like on our band app, it's not just 12 people praying for this issue, 19 people praying for this issue, 24 people praying for this issue. What if it's 80 or 100 people praying for this issue? What would happen if we earnestly prayed? I can't imagine what that might look like. But I think it's possible. I think we can, we can do this, and I think we'll see the hand of God moving. Right? It, it's our privilege to intervene. It's our responsibility to intervene and lift people up. Right? I, I, love, this peop- I love this view of, of people gathering. That's great. But can we also add to that a pray now mentality? Right? When somebody comes up to us, no matter where we're at, and says, hey, will you pray for me? Can we just say, yeah, sure, I'd love to. Can I do it right now, right? I know you're at Walmart. I know we're at Walmart. I know there's a bunch of people around us, right? I know we're at the movie theaters, right? In the bathroom. Remember that? Can we just pray for people? Can we just have that type of culture too? Can we just see ourselves as intercessors? Can we just do that, right? When somebody comes to my work and pops in when I'm at the city, right? Can, can you pray for this? Yeah. 
can I pray for you right now? Like, and I'll, I'll go to them, and sometimes it shocks them. They're like, you, you want to do it right here? Yeah, right? Because I'm an intercessor. And it's a privilege to approach the king of kings for you. It's a privilege to stand next to you and do that, right? Can we make the pray now part of our praying culture? Intercession might be one of the greatest privileges and responsibilities that we have. Why? Because it's a response to join Jesus in what he's doing, right? It's a response to join him, to, to stand next to you in his presence. Romans 8, 31 through 37. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who's, who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, amen, right, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is risen, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor death nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Here's the good news of the gospel, right? Christ died for you. While we were sinners, not he didn't wait for you to get everything taken care of and fixed up in your life. No, while we were sinners, Christ died for you, right? Died to pay the price for your sins. And if you accept that gift of grace, right, you can become a child of God. You can have a new life. You can be raised from death to life. That's great. But here, we've also now have an advocate and an intercessor who's praying for us. Right? I worry about stuff. I worry about stuff in the church. You get this message about, about divorce happening. That's a heavy weight. I, I worry about those two people. I worry about stuff with my own family. Like, I worry about stuff in my being a bad dad. Right? And I think if I just got this view... I think if I just understood this, that right now, Jesus is interceding for me, I don't think I'd worry quite as much, right? The King of kings, the Lord of all, is interceding for you. That's good news, right? What then shall we say in response to these things, right? If God is for us, who can be against us? James, is God serious about this? Can I trust him? Can I trust God? Yay, serious. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also, along with him, graciously 
give us all things. Who will bring a charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies, right? Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who has raised life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. He's interceding for you. Do you remember what he says to Peter, right? In Luke twenty-two thirty-one, he says, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I've prayed for you, right? I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you turn back, strengthen your brothers. Jesus is interceding for us. That's amazing news. I need that. I also need people in my life that are interceding for me. People standing next to me. We need to be people who recognize when the enemy is coming against our brothers and sisters that we can go to them and say, I'm praying for you. Let me pray for you right now. I'm praying for protection. I'm praying for strength. I see what's going on. I see what the enemy's doing. And I'm standing in the gap with you. And I'll approach our Lord, who's also interceding for you. Amen? We need to pray for our community. In Ezekiel's time, the people of the city of Jerusalem were doing wicked things. And, and God says this, Ezekiel twenty-two thirty. I looked for someone among them, who, among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. But I found no one. Will we stand in the gap for our community? For whatever community that you belong to, right? Will God find someone that's willing to stand in the gap? Will we join Jesus in this intercession for our city? Will, will we join him in this intercession for our workplaces, for our schools? Does our schools need it? Oh my goodness, yes. Do our families need it? Absolutely, right? Every prayer request recently, will we intercede for them? I said this before, the greatest thing that you could give me is a stand in intercession for me and my family. Greatest gift ever, right? Build some walls. Ask for God to meet with me. I covet those prayers. We covet those prayers. I covet you standing in the gap and praying regularly before the service at all times. I, I love those text messages that I get. Hey, just want you to know I'm praying for you. My goodness, do you know how that makes a person's day? Let's do that for everybody in here, though. Right? I don't ever take that lightly. I want us all to leave here today going, I'm an intercessor. That's who I am, right? I've been called to intercede. intercede. I love the story of the four friends with their paralytic friends, right? Who make this meeting happen with Jesus when they take their paralytic friend to him and, and they do whatever it takes, right? That's one of the things that we want as the culture of our church. We're people that wreck the roof, right? I want us to be intercessors like that, though. Wouldn't it be awesome that we got together 
in order to bring somebody to Jesus, right? We got there to get together and said, you know, we've got to get this person to Jesus. You remember what happens, though? They do. They get there, and there's a problem. There's too many people. There's no way in. They can't see it, right? Time to give up? No. Can I give you two words to add to your vocabulary? Luke 11, 5 through 8. This is Jesus teaching on prayer. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, let me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are already in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of your friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Can we add that, those two words, to our prayer life? Shameless audacity. These friends, they get, them, they get their paralytic friend to Jesus, right? And they notice the problem. They can't get it in there. They can't see a way to do it. They don't quit, though. They don't give up. Oh, well, we tried. No, shameless audacity. That's what we would describe as what happens next, right? Because one of them has the idea, hey, let's rip this guy's roof apart. Let's get up on there. And the other three are like, that just might work. Let's do it, right? That's shameless audacity. If I, if I don't know what shameless audacity is, if it's not that. We got to be people that are willing to wreck the roof. Do you remember what happened though when they got him before Jesus, right? When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. I think some of us, man, are taking a hit to our faith at times, right? Sometimes it's sometimes we just get in some things where it's a little lacking. We come into that season. Wouldn't it be awesome to have four friends around us though? Who have faith? who will stand next to us and get us before the throne, get us before the king of kings, right? That's what's available to us. You have to know that God listens to you. You may question that, but you have to know that God listens to us. Isaiah 64, 4 says something amazing. Since ancient times, no one has heard No ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Isaiah is describing how our God is different than any other God. Since ancient times, no other God has seen you. No other God has heard you besides our God. He's the only one. Oh, and he acts on behalf of those who wait. Those who put their trust in him. I want you to walk out of here saying, I'm an intercessor. Because I have a relationship with God, and I know he listens to me. I will approach him for you. Right? He, I have his ear. Would you pray for me? Absolutely. He listens. I think sometimes we don't pray because we don't think we have the authority to say things, these things, right? Authority, if you don't get anything, authority comes from alignment. 
Authority comes from alignment. This is huge, right? Jesus was given all authority. And then what happens? He sends us, right? Matthew 28, 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, right? Therefore, go. That's what you're being sent out with, right? If I am in Christ, where hopefully that's where I am, right? If I'm in Christ, I'm in that alignment, then I'm going under his authority. And he has it all on heaven and on earth, right? It's all about his will. If he sent me in this direction, do you think he's not going to be enabling me, not going to be answering those prayers that line up with that? That'd be crazy, right? We lack confidence. We lack faith in our prayers. 1 John 5.14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, right, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever he asks, we know that we have what we've asked of him. Our confidence to approach God is that if we ask something according to his will, right, he will hear us and he will answer us. Our confidence is tied to knowing and doing God's will. Alignment. If Ethan gets off of basketball practice and his buddy comes up to him and says, hey, can your dad give me a ride home today? He has the authority to tell that kid, yeah. Why? Because he knows his dad will do that. Because he knows me. Right? Ethan knows that that would be my will. I'll, I'll gladly drive one of his friends home. And so he can answer that and say that in confidence. Do you see the connection, right? When, when we know who God is, when we really know his character, what his will is, then we can approach him in confidence and ask for those things that line up to that. Because that's who he is. Well, how do we know God's will? How does Ethan know my will? It's because he has a relationship with me, Right? He knows me because he spends time with me. We need a relationship with him. We need to know him. How do we get that? We get it by spending time in the word. We get it by spending time on our knees in prayer, right? The Holy Spirit reveals those things to us. I know that the will of God is for you to have peace. I know that the will of God is for you not to fear. So I can confidently pray those prayers and know that not only he hears those prayers, but he will answer those prayers. I know that the will of God is to heal sometimes. I know it's sometimes to say, my grace is sufficient, though. But I know what his will is, right? The more time we spend with him, the more we'll understand this, the more we'll be aligned to it, the more confident we will be with our prayers to him and approaching him. It takes relationship, though. It takes alignment. That's why James says in James 5, 16, the prayers of a righteous person is powerful and effective, right? What makes a person righteous? One thing and one thing only, and that's being in Christ, 
That is where our righteousness comes from, right? If we are aligned to Christ, if we're spending time with him, aligning our lives to him, then our prayers will be powerful and effective, right? Prayer is not babbling. Prayer is not magic words that you get God to do what you want him to do. Prayer is all about bringing, bringing yourself into alignment to his will. That's what prayer is all about, right? Your will coming into alignment with his will. Prayer's purpose is about that alignment. I get on God's page, not I try to bring God to my page. The, the word for prayer is two words that mean literally an exchange of wishes, that doesn't mean that we exchange our wishes and he gets our wishes and we go from there. No, it, it's really about his wishes because he's God. So we exchange our wishes for his wishes. We exchange our desires for his desires, right? We come before the Lord and surrender. Why would we surrender our desires? Because he's God and he knows everything and knows what's best for us. And we have put our faith and trust in him with that, right? That's why we do it. That's why we surrender that. I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to surrender my desires. I want to tell God what I need, right? And I want him to do it. I need you, God, to come through for me with this thing that I'm asking for. Those prayers don't work. Those prayers don't work. Those prayers aren't bold. Those prayers have no real faith. They don't move anything. All those prayers do is lead you to frustration. Aren't you frustrated in your prayer life when it's focused in on you? Aren't you feeling like nothing's happening? You're, you're confused by it, right? And that's why we put it off to the side because we're praying for our will. And he's not about that. He's about his will. His, his will is far beyond anything, Right? If you pray for yourself and what you want and what you, and, and it's all about your will, man, it's just a life of frustration, a life of throwing up your hands, a life of just setting prayer down at the side there. We need to shift back into alignment under his authority where we exchange our will for his. And guess what will happen? We'll experience the power of God in a way like we've never experienced it before. My friends, that's the place where mountains are moved. And the place of surrender, right? That's the, the place where we join with Jesus. And our prayers become powerful and effective. Don't you want that? It's going to take alignment. It's going to take surrender. It's going to take you exchanging your wishes for his. And it's going to take you knowing what his will is, which means spending time in the word, spending time in prayer. That's the culture that we want to have as the Willard Naz. Right? Would you stand with me? I, I got this image of my, in my head that we're at the Willard City Pool, right? Pretty big pool. And there's like 20 people in the pool trying to get this thing going. 20 people around the edge 
trying to get this thing going, but we're not making a lot of difference, right? We get a little current going. And in this image that I have, there's 80 people that are standing on the outside around it. And I'm asking you, will you jump in? Will you jump in and commit to being an intercessor? Would you join us in creating this culture, right? Would you, would you join us in creating this whirlpool where we're all moving in the same direction, focused in on Christ, joining him and in interceding for brothers and sisters who are facing all sorts of things? I love it when people pray for me. Let's not just be people who ask people to pray for us. Let's be people that pray for everybody. When God lays something on our hearts, when we see something in a a prayer sheet, in a bulletin, let's be those people, right? Will you jump in? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you that, that not only did you die for us, not only were you raised to life, and, and you bring us through that same phase, Lord. But you're also right now interceding to the Father for us. Father, would you call us to join you? And would our answer be a resounding yes, Lord? Father, reveal to us that we are intercessors, that we do stand in the gap for our brothers and sisters, and give us opportunities this very week to do that. And Father, give us a boldness, even if we're at the gas station, even if we're in the grocery store, if somebody asks us to pray for it, Lord, let us do that. Let us sacrifice to do that. Father, may we maybe give up a meal during the week just so that we can pray for our brothers and sisters. Lord, call us to this. Lord, may that be the culture that is this church. Lord, may we be a praying church. Lord, we, we, we especially lift up this time that's coming up with this meal. Father, I pray that it be a great time of fellowship, Lord. And I pray that you would bless our brothers and sisters, especially during this time. Lord, Father, I pray that... Uh, this would be a time of encouragement for them, a time showing them that there are brothers and sisters who care about them, care that their families are not with us right now, care that their families are in this country that's literally going to hell. Father, would you bring them to us? Would you reunite their families? Father, would you call some of us to go to them? Whatever that may mean, Lord. Would you lay things on our heart? And Father, I pray that we would respond. Father, I thank you for everybody that's made the the dishes. I thank you for everybody that's done the decorations, set up the chairs, Lord. I pray that your blessings would be upon them and that you'd bless this food to our body. We just ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.